Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Entrepreneurs Exposed, where we speak with all kinds of founders and creators doing amazing things in business and beyond. Listeners, you can now support the continued growth of the show. If you're interested, go to glow.fm slash e2. That's glow.fm slash e2. If you enjoy the content we are producing here and our show is part of your pod routine, check that out. Today, I'm speaking with Christy Harold, who is the founder and CEO of Jam a multi-million dollar global adult recreational sports league that has connected millions of people through play since its inception. Christy consults and speaks on how to move a culture from surviving to thriving. She's recently authored a best-selling book called It Pays to Play, How Play Improves Business Culture. And we dive into a lot of important topics from that book today. In this episode, we discuss the ROI of play and the importance of play in a company culture, how play actually saves lives and moves the needle on mental health, why the so-called blue zones see greater longevity and overall health amongst those who live there, and so much more. So with that intro out of the way, let's get to the show. Here is my chat with Christy Harold. So sports has obviously always been a part of your life, even from a very young age. How does this journey of entrepreneurship begin and how do you tie in your passion with sports to business? So yeah, I the journey of entrepreneurship, I, I guess, began as a child because I grew up in a house that my dad was an entrepreneur. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. We talked about business at the family dinner table all the time. And my oldest brother, Cameron, who I think you've had on your podcast, he started a college pro painters franchise when he was in university. And I remember watching him do that. I was working for him, you know, going door to door, getting in leads. And then I ended up, my middle brother, Todd, did it as well. Uh, and then I ended up running the franchise. We all had little businesses of our own growing up. So I always knew I wanted to run my own business. My dad made a point of, he had a lifestyle business that was amazing. We were able to get on family vacations. He was always home for dinner. He was always there at breakfast always made it out to cheer us on at our sports events or our extracurricular events, whatever they were. So family was my dad's priority, but he ran his own business at the time. He could take advantage of his own time however he wanted. And I admired that. I really wanted to have that. I aspired to have that when I grew up. And so I knew when I graduated university that I wanted to run my own business. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I'd moved to Toronto, big city from after growing up, small town girl in Sudbury. So I'm small town girl living in a lonely world in Toronto. And uh, I hear about 
these clubs in the U.S. I'd heard about this uh, San Francisco or Golden Gate Sport and Social Club, it was called. And it was recreational sports leagues for adults. And I had been looking into trying to find a sports league to join. Even I was just a very recreational athlete. Like I, I played lots of different sports, but I was not hardcore in any team sport. But I wanted to play something to meet people. And I couldn't find anything that wasn't super competitive. And so when I heard about this Golden Gate Sport Social Club, and now I'm really working to grow the business differently. So it's gone from 250 teams in that first year to over 11,000. And I'm sure there's been many pivots along the way. What was the first iteration of the business? Like, how did you put the first couple of years together and realize that you had something, let's say, that was potentially scalable? Yeah. When I started it, I wasn't thinking about scaling a business. That was not at all. It was very much, I just would like a lifestyle business. Um, I had no vision for what it actually became at back in 1996. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm very much a systems person. Like I like things to be organized. And so when I did start something, I would try and make sure it was repeatable. But in those early days, 1996, internet wasn't much of a thing yet. I remember getting my first email address in the spring of 1996. So I couldn't do digital marketing to start this business. I was old school. I picked up a phone and I called everybody who was in my address book and I told them my idea. And I said, if you like the idea, can you give me names of other people I should contact? And I had people faxing me their address books so that I could then create a uh, database. And I ended up getting about 800 names that I then created a newsletter that I was going to mail out with you know postage stamps and paper envelopes. My boyfriend at the time was a semi-pro cyclist. I couldn't afford the 800 stamps. So he delivered half by bicycle for me and uh, I could afford 400 stamps. So it was like early days grinding it out. And I remember the very first season, I had 13 teams signed up to play across four or five different sports. And it was a week before we were meant to open. And those 13 teams were each going to pay about $300 for a team fee. So we're talking like $4,000 in revenue here that revenue, like the, I have costs to cover. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, what have I done? I've quit my job. How am I going to survive? I can't survive on 13 teams. And I remember I basically fell down on the floor and cried for about two hours. And then I thought, well, that's not going to change my situation. So I got up off the floor. I picked up the phone and I started calling people. And I said, you know, you said you were going to sign up a basketball team or you said you were going to sign up a soccer team. Now's the time. You've got to sign up. I need you to drop off your check. It's time to get you registered. And I converted from 13 teams to 52 teams that very, you know, in the last five days before the league was meant to start. That was the kickstart to getting things going. And then from there, it's just slowly grown and grown and grown, really put a lot of focus in the early years on good customer service. I didn't spend a lot of money on advertising. It was all word of mouth that grew the business. So that was sort of the early days of how it all got going. How would it, somebody in a new city take advantage of this if they were interested? What is the user experience like? So that's a great question. So Jam is, think of Jam as intramurals for people who are no longer in university or college. It's adult recreational sports leagues, and there are a wide variety of sports. So soccer, volleyball, flag football, kickball, inner tube water polo, dodgeball, tennis, ultimate frisbee. I mean, just tons and tons of different sports. And we offer a wide variety from total beginner right through to elite level. There are mixed gender leagues and there are single sex leagues. There are some leagues are self-officiated. Some have officials. There's something for everybody. So if you're new to a city, we're in, I think we're in 12 or 13 cities now across Ontario, Manitoba and Michigan. 
If you're new to a city, you don't know anyone, it's a great way to get online, choose a night that you want to play or choose a sport you want to play, sign up by yourself. You'll be put on a team with another group of individuals. You're probably looking at a cost of about 150 bucks for a 10-week season, that kind of money. And if you have a group of people that you want to see, maybe you've got a group of friends from, from university, you're all working now and you want to be able to connect and see them once a week, you sign up as a full team and you, we'll, we'll keep you together as a group. So there are options to sign up by yourself, sign up with a small group of friends, sign up a full team. You know, it's a physically healthy and mentally healthy way to stay connected with people while you're being active. You must have numerous teams from different companies, different firms getting involved in this. Yeah, there over the years, lots of, I mean, corporate teams really realize there's an opportunity to keep people connected, have work teams sign up that people, companies will pay for their, for uniforms that have their company logos on them. And it's a great way for Sue from HR to get to know Jeff from marketing by playing on the same kickball team together. Having said that, we didn't really ever focus on corporate until the pandemic. When the pandemic hit, I mean, when I say we didn't focus on it, companies would just sign up teams. We didn't put much effort into like, we always thought of our business as a B2C business. When the pandemic hit, we actually were shut down for 16 months. Um, we lost 16 months of revenue. It crushed us. It nearly crushed us. You mentioned earlier about, you know, you're sure there's been pivots over the years. Our biggest pivot happened in May of 2020, two months after the pandemic had started. We should have been celebrating 25 years of connecting millions of people through play. And instead, we were worried that our business was going to go under. So I said to my staff, we have to try and sell virtual fun to corporations, to companies. And one of my teammates, I remember he said to me, he's like, you want us to sell bingo and scavenger hunts online to companies? And I said, yes, that is exactly what I want you to do. And I think they thought I was crazy. And in that first year, we did over seven figures in revenue with our new virtual events business, producing, you know, scavenger hunts, escape rooms, game shows, all sorts of trivia nights, all sorts of ways for companies to do team bonding events. And so we built this big, very successful B2B platform, mainly off of virtual events. But now we've since pivoted. Now we're doing hybrid events. We're doing remote, uh, sorry, in-person corporate events. And um, with the launch of my new book, It Pays to Play, How Play Improves Business Culture, I'm doing a lot more speaking on the topic. And we're actually starting to consult and help companies integrate play. It's not just about these team bonding events. Those are great. But there are ways you can have fun and make work more playful every day. So we're starting to consult with companies on that idea, how they can integrate playfulness in the day-to-day -day workplace and still be getting a lot of great work done. Can you say more? Yes. One of my favorite all-time topics, you know, is this idea that it's so overlooked. Play is so simple. And majority of people think that play is for childhood. And when you grow up, you don't play anymore. You go to work. Or when you're playing, that's you play outside in your personal life. Play is play and work is work and never the two shall meet. I wholeheartedly disagree. And I believe if work is fun, your team will be happier coming to work. They're going to be more engaged and excited to be part of what you're doing. They will have friends in the workplace. And when we have friends in the workplace, we are more willing to be vulnerable because we trust our friends. We're willing to put ourselves out there with creative ideas that we might not otherwise if we don't you know, feel trusting of them. We're more willing to offer help to a friend than someone we don't really care about. We're more willing to ask for help if we need it. So one of the easiest ways to make friends is to play together. 
And whether that means playing on a soccer team with your company once a week or playing in a musical band, a lot of companies have bands that rehearse together a couple times a month and then they'll put on a concert once a year. Or maybe it means working on a puzzle at the lunch table with a friend from the office. Perhaps play means having some fun with how you communicate internally and externally with your email communications to customers and staff. There are so many ways to integrate play into the workplace. And when we have a little more fun with our work, that's when friendships get strengthened. Your retention will be much higher. So you're not losing staff because people don't leave when they have friends and they're having fun at work. They leave when they're miserable and a toxic work culture, right? They leave when they're not engaged. They leave when they don't like anyone at the office. That's when they look for other jobs. A little bit of investment in play creates these friendships that then help people be more engaged and want to stay in a workplace that's a fun place to work. In your experience, do you find that corporate stakeholders understand or resonate with what you're talking about here? The ones who come to us, they are coming because they totally get it. And our repeat customer base is massive. It's, I think, 65 or 70, 75% of the events we have produced have been now for repeat customers. Like it's just a massive retention because people see that there is huge value. The other piece I forgot to mention earlier, when your team is happier, when they're having more fun at work, they are then going to pass that happiness, that energy on to customers. It's really hard to measure, but it's very subtle. But when people are happy and engaged at work because they know they have fun and they get to play a little bit, the ripple effect is massive throughout the organization. Are there industries that simply don't get this? Like, do you find there are patterns, let's say, with um, certain industries? I can make some predictions as to what you might say here. But are there types of firms and or industries that simply haven't come around to this yet? I don't know if I would say it's industry specific. I think there are certain industries maybe that are less apt that take themselves so seriously that they can't think that there should ever be an opportunity for fun. I don't think I could say it's there are some industries that just don't. I think there it's more of a corporate who's the leader that whether they believe that there's an opportunity for fun to have its place at the workplace. It comes from the top, I think. I've always said the most serious in businesses can still have some playfulness. Let's like think of Southwest Airlines. So it doesn't get much more serious than Southwest Airlines. And yet there's a company who takes their communications. They just have so much fun. They play with how they communicate with all their customers, right? Like they have a lot of fun with how they get us from point A to point B, even though it's incredibly serious business. So anyone who tries to tell me that there's no room to have fun at work, I call bullshit. I totally get it. And as you mentioned, so many benefits. So play absolutely changes lives. And you also say saves lives. It has also stopped wars. Say more on these topics. What do you mean by all that? The Christmas truce in World War I, 1914, was the Allies and, and the Germans, cr- you know, cross enemy lines, fighting in the trenches. And on Christmas Eve, there's, a, there's reports that the Germans started singing Christmas carols. And the next morning, they climbed out of the trenches and they started walking across enemy lines. And the Allies thought it was potentially uh, be an ambush. As it turned out, everyone put down their guns on Christmas Day, 1914. And there are reports of them playing a game of soccer. And they were laughing and having fun and they were playing and war. They stopped killing each other. They had been killing each other the day before, but then they stopped 
to play. Play is incredibly powerful in that sense. And what I meant when I said it saves lives. So we've had thousands of babies have been born because people have met their love of their life playing basketball or soccer or volleyball in our leagues. So definitely a lot of changed lives. And then I recall, I think it was 2016, one of my customer service teammates forwarded me an email. And the email was from a woman named Emily. And she said, I just want to thank you. Your leagues literally saved my life. And she went on to explain that she was new to the city. She didn't know anyone. She was in a very deep depression. She was in a very, very dark place. And she was invited from a friend who she worked with to join a soccer league. She didn't really play a lot of soccer. She thought she had nothing to lose. She would give it a try. She said she's met, you know, she ended up meeting all these great friends and it gave her kind of a new lease on life. But she was like, wow, I don't need to be lost and depressed in this big city. I can get out and play. The mental health benefit, it helps with loneliness and depression and and you're also getting your physical exercise. The Mayo Clinic had done studies that have proven when you can combine your exercise by playing badminton or basketball or soccer, it adds like 20% longevity to your life. Like if all you can do is go to the gym and, you know, do weights or run on a treadmill, you should totally do that. But if you can combine your exercise with play, you're going to get even more benefit from doing so. You know, what's interesting. I was um, in Florida last week, as I mentioned with clients and I'm out to dinner and I end up in this, in this conversation with, you know, this perfect stranger who's a snowbird spending the winters in Florida. He's in Ohio normally. He mentioned he's 83. And I said, you know, what's your secret? You know, how do you, how do you stay young? How do you look so great for your age? And he said, I play tennis or squash every single day. That's my secret. Amazing. That reminds me of another story I share in my book. I bumped into a friend in Costa Rica last year. I hadn't seen her in 20 some years. Uh, she was a friend from university and she lives on the West Coast. And she was asking me what I was up to and I told her that I was writing a book and then I asked what she was doing and she said she was sitting on the board of a family business that her grandfather still led. And I was like, your grandfather? And she said, yeah, he's, he's 101. And I said, pardon me? She said, yeah, he started this company. He's 101 years old and he still, is, he still leads the company. He's the CEO of the company. And I was like, well, how, what's the secret? Like, how? And she said, well, actually, it's funny you should ask because it kind of reminds me of your book. His secret is, he plays and he has a nap every day. And I said, what do you mean he plays? I said, can I talk to him? So I ended up getting to have this interview with Britt Smith. He lives in Kingston. He told me he played tennis until he was 95 years old. To this day, he still plays the crossword puzzle every day. He gets up and does a, does a crossword puzzle. He does nap every day, but he's a huge believer in the power of play. And he's built an incredibly successful business. He's given millions and millions of dollars to charity. He really engages his corporate teams with play. A really interesting man. I think he's, he's won the Order of Canada a few years ago. I mean, he's just an incredible, incredible man. But play was a big part of that. And on top of all this, interestingly, you say four players who are part of your leagues have tattooed the logo of your company on their body. Is that true? It's true. I don't even have my company logo tattooed on my body. I don't have any tattoos. So if I did, I might get a jam tattoo. But yes, we've had four players get our logo tattooed on their body. And the stories are fantastic. The reason they did this is they just, the life changing, what a positive impact playing in the leagues has been to their lives. One individual, Mari from Michigan, 
they explained that they have MS. And so they cannot always play physically. They're not always capable. Sometimes they need to be using a cane, sometimes a walker. It just depends on the day. Sometimes they can play. But they sign up to play four nights a week. I I believe they play um, ultimate frisbee, flag football, kickball, and volleyball, I believe. When their MS flares up, as they explained to me, they can still go out and watch their friends playing. And then they can go back and have a, you know, go to the bar and socialize. It's that social component that is incredibly powerful and changed their life. So they've got our logo tattooed on, on their bodies. And that, you know, ties in. You've, have you heard of the Blue Zones? It's Costa Rica, Italy, California, Greece, and I think Japan. They've studied these, they call them the Blue Zones. And this is where people, the, the highest percentage of people to, that live beyond 100 live in these blue zones, they call them. And they've studied these people to find out why are they living so long? What's the secret? And a big part of it is plant-based diet. It's, it's how they fuel their bodies. Um, it's exercise. One of the biggest components is the social connection, the community. These areas that they've studied have incredibly strong community ties. They are big on family, on friends, on gathering, on social. And the mental health benefit of that, they've compared loneliness and depression to the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Like it's incredibly bad for your health to be lonely and depressed, right? And so if you can combat that by playing, I mean, and if corporate leaders can help their staff to combat that mental health crisis that exists out there by engaging them with fun virtual events or encouraging them to to be part of a, a volleyball team or health and wellness these days in the corporate world has a big focus on we're going to give you a gym membership. We're going to give you a yoga membership. You have, you know, all these benefits that will pay for your therapy. It's very individual focused. And that's important. And I'm really happy that companies are thinking about the health and wellness of their staff. However, I would like to encourage corporations to start thinking a little more outside the box. It's not just about the individual. It should be about how can they engage all these individuals that work on a team to have a social connection together. That will add incredible health and wellness to an overall organization by providing social connection opportunities. To your point, I mean, it's the power of building these communities through sports that I think is so important. What do you make of social media and how this is sort of, let's say, the antithesis of what we're talking about here, which is community in the flesh? And as a parent of six kids, how do you control the exposure to screens and social media or did, let's say, like when they were young? So I have an, a serious love-hate relationship with social media. I'm grateful that I grew up at a time where it didn't exist. I am grateful that I was, you know, I was raised as a kid in the 70s and told to go outside and play and come home when the streetlights are on. And in high school, you know, I did some naughty things that I'm glad there is no record of, you know, social media, potentially like my, you know, anyone seeing me do something that maybe I shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> so, and I'm glad that social media didn't exist. Like, I, I think it's so toxic for young people today that they look at a snap map and they can see where all their friends are. And if they didn't get invited to the party, but everyone else is there, like in real time, they're seeing their friends gathering and they're not part of it. Like, it's absolutely horrifying. So there are certain aspects of it that I absolutely hate. There are aspects I think are are really powerful. I wish that tech companies could, and I think they can. I, I I just don't know that they had the willingness to do it. But I'd like to see tech companies 
step up and acknowledge it's created a mental health crisis. They've done studies that have shown kids born after 1997, those were the first kids to have smartphones and social media in like middle school and high school. And they've seen a huge spike in anxiety and depression in kids that were born in that era or later. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that's the case. This is, I mean, I'm not a researcher or scientist, like, but anecdotally, I've seen my children struggle in that way. And I think social media can do a lot of good, but it can also be really, really toxic. And it's, I don't think it is real community. Connecting in person is absolutely critical. We're human beings. Humans need human connection. We need to give each other a hug. We need to high five. We need to smile at each other and have some laughs together, not just scrolling through TikToks by ourselves. Yeah, sorry, metaverse enthusiasts. Giving hugs virtually in the metaverse is not as beneficial as giving hugs in person. No, wholeheartedly agree. So your book, It Pays to Play, it's been out how long now? Late November. So it's just quite new. I'm pretty excited about it. No, it's very exciting. How Play Improves Business Culture. Folks can check it out. I'm sure they can access uh, the book on Amazon. It's on Amazon, yeah. And um, and my website is christyherald.com. And the book is uh, there. A little more information about the book and my speaking. It's all up there. And encourage everybody in Michigan, Manitoba, and Ontario, if you do live in those provinces and or state, get out and get involved in sports in person, not in the metaverse not through TikToks or YouTubes. Get out and play. Super important. I think it's a great message. Christy, thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks very much for having me, Adam. It was really a lot of fun to chat. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. Entrepreneurs Exposed is brought to you by Scriberbase. Build your subscription business and thrive. More at Scriberbase.com. If you like what you heard today, don't forget to download and subscribe wherever you get your audio. It helps our audience find us. You can also visit us at glow.fm forward slash e2 to become a supporter until next time make today count with whatever it is you're working on welcome to ringside with ray and prince my name is ray leonard jr my name is prince daniels jr daniels again with a big hole on this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us, from renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.